This is the Candeo Equipping Podcast. All right, ladies and gents. Hey, uh, thanks so much for agreeing to this. Some of you are getting married at Candeo. This is kind of one of the things that we encourage couples to do, so you're probably here for that. Um, we actually have, I think, 44 people signed up, and I think probably because of the snow or whatever, a lot of them aren't here. But we have a pretty good mix of engaged people. So can I just see show of hands engaged? Nice. Okay. Show of hands of married? Nice. All right. So here's, yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. We, we actually rostered have, I think, like 10 married couples, eight, 10 married couples or so. So here, here's something. I was going to be fun today. Time out. I yep. failed at my job, and there's two more couples here that I don't have. Do we okay. figure that out, or should we figure that out? Later? We'll figure it out, figure it out later. Yep. Sorry. Okay, so uh, I expected all these tables to be full, which they're not. But I brought candy for, for a few people. So here's the thing. For those of you who are engaged, whose wedding date is the closest to today? When? Tomorrow? No, just kidding. <laughs> June 29th. June 29th, okay, fair. Yep. Hey, guys. June 1st. June 1st, uh, May, uh, April 13th. April 13th. Very nice, very nice, awesome. Hey, so uh, you guys get a bag of candy to eat by yourself. No, just kidding. That's great. That's awesome. And then uh, for those of you... I thought later we should have given the bag of candy to the people who have the wedding day the farthest away. Oh, that's, that's fair. Yes, yes, yes. You guys are hanging in there. You go, oh, yeah, no, it's good. Uh, how many of you who've been married... Have been married the shortest, like the, the most recent. One and a half. Three. One and a half, fair, yeah. You, you guys a little bit longer than that, okay? <laughs> so. <laughs> I don't think so. All right, here we go. So, uh, who's been married the longest? I'm gonna go to this table. <laughs> How many? Twenty. Jeez, that's awesome. Nineteen and a half. That's awesome. Nice. Congrats. What's yours? We'll be fourteen in May. Awesome. So. Yeah. There you go. So I, here's the thing, table. I feel bad for you because I expected all these other tables to not have candy as well, but it's like you're the only one that doesn't have it. Yeah, so we should throw a handful. Yeah. So maybe after you guys get your fill or whatever, you can. Just whatever, whatever, whatever. Hey, uh, Emily's gonna introduce us really quick. So my name's Matt. This is my, my wife Emily. <laughs> no. Yeah, you can't you can't break candy out and expect there to be be silence. This is good. This is good. Uh, Matt gave me the job of introducing us. We have been married. Matt remembers way better than I do. Thirteen years. It throws me off because we got married on New Year's Eve, so it's like the day before the night before New Year. Um, Tax break? Awesome. Huh? No shit. So just throwing that out there. Yeah. No. <laughs> No. It did help. So, yeah. um, we have five kiddos, nine and under, yeah. <laughs> and one of them is um, woke up this morning with a tummy ache, so we had to figure out what to do with her. So she's at grandma's. Um, what did we talk about? We, I am home with them. We homeschool the kiddos. Matt has is a ministry leader here, no. an elder at our church. No. So. Downs, good seasons, rough seasons, so. We actually, I think one of the biggest fights we ever got in was when we were teaching this class on communication, like last time. <laughs> yeah. So, so, anyways. Yeah. But I don't think we had a ton. We did. No, it's great. So, yeah. No, no. We did not. We just missed Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, so I'm really excited to dive into this. Here's the reality: is we have some engaged people, we have some newly married people, and then I think as time goes on. Uh, we're going to have people who have been married for even over 20 years. I mean, I saw a couple in there that I think has a kid who's close to 30. So we're going to have a good mix of, I think, experiences. My real hope for this class and my expectation is that we're going to dive into God's Word every single week and see what it has to say about different topics that pertain to marriage and couples. And so you can go to society, you can look on the Internet, you can say, what should marriage be like? And, and ultimately, I hope that for all of us, our authority comes from God's word. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to be spending time looking at, like, Christ as the center of our marriage and what is the purpose of marriage, so kind of foundational stuff today. And then it'll get a little bit more specific. So what are roles, responsibilities? What, how do you communicate within a marriage? How, how do you have actually good conflict? We're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about sex. Or we're going to talk about things that 
are pertinent to a married couple's life. And so for those of you who are engaged, it's going to be super relevant because you're going to know ideally how to enter a marriage, hopefully, in a healthy way. For those of you who've been newly married, it's like you might need to recalibrate a little bit. And for those of you who've been married a long time, it's never too late to change. Right? And so we're going to turn to God's word every single week. And we actually have four different couples over the course of six weeks teaching this class. So my wife and I will be doing it, I think, two or three times. And we have uh, Jake and his wife, Sarah, will be doing it next week, who Jake taught this morning, for those of you who were in there for that. And we have a couple other solid couples. And so it's going to be fun. It's not going to all be us talking all the time and you just sitting there staring at us. And we're going to do some interaction, stuff like that, So which is going to be good. Um, today's, though, is actually, we used to do this over the course of two weeks, today's lesson. And so we're going to kind of cram a little or a lot into a little bit of time. So this might, more than any other, seem like we're talking a lot. But if you're like, man, that was a lot of talking from up front, it's, it's going to change. Okay? And we'll, we'll hopefully get it to where it's not just us talking. And so I would love to uh, just start by praying, and then we're going to dive into an exercise. So, uh, God, we do thank you, and I thank you for the couples who are in this room this morning. I pray for the engaged couples, um, whether they're getting married here in another couple months or they still have a ways off as far as uh, their, their wedding day goes. God, I pray that they can be honoring to you. I pray that they can continue to focus on you both as a couple but also individually, God. I pray for the married couples in here as well, um, that our foundation and our marriage can truly be grounded upon your word. And I pray that our time together today and the weeks to come will be very fruitful. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, guys. You guys mind sliding over so you're not sitting yeah. by yourself? Sorry, I just drove back from church. <laughs> yeah, you're good. You it's are good. good it is not good. Okay, so we get to do start out with kind of a fun little exercise, and this is what the paper is for. One of you guys can write in your um, in your notes, and the other one, we, you might need another paper because you're both going to do it. So you are going to take a few minutes, um, it's a little different, to write out um, how and when your other half, your fiancé or your spouse, how and when your fiancé or spouse became a follower of Jesus. So you're going to kind of write their God story. So that's your, your goal. In just a few minutes, I'll scratch out some notes. You're not going to have a ton of time. And also in that, if you want to write a few notes of how they are currently growing in their relationship with Jesus. So, so one of you will do this on the front page of your binder, the other one on the scratch sheet of paper. Because you need two papers and there's yep. only one in there. So one yep. of you needs to grab that other paper. So how and when your fiancé or spouse became a follower of Jesus and how they are currently growing in their relationship with him. So individual, you're writing about your other half, not you. Alright. If anyone's a good singer and wants to hum a tune or something, yeah, that, we that, need that'd be tunes. awesome. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay, guys, as you wrap that up. Um, you are both going to together in your binder um, write one in like one to two sentences write out what you as a couple understand to be the purpose of marriage so we're not going to kick you out if it's wrong right whatever just do what you think just kind of throw something on there because this is a lot of what we're going to talk about today write down what you together could think and one or two sentences what the purpose of marriage is so you and your other half are talking about this <laughs> All right, so just out of curiosity, does anybody want to be brave and just say, here's what I think the purpose of marriage is? And once again, we're not going to condemn you if you're not right. Glenn, what do you got? Is this for the second one? Yes, the second one. So, like, what do you think the purpose of marriage is? All right, well, we actually did ours on our way here, so we... Overachievers, I like that. I like that. So the purpose of marriage is to display the gospel, the love of Jesus for His church, is how sacrificially, sacrificially men are called to love their wives, and their wives as the church loves Christ. Striving to display this publicly displays the gospel. It might have been a bad one to call on first. Does anyone else want to like challenge that and say no, you're actually wrong? Or something to go along. With. Yeah, or or something that will supplement that to some degree. All right, so we're going to actually dive into that more, and so that's going to be the purpose of our day today. I want to have you guys flip your page and turn to Matthew 7. If you have a Bible, that'd be awesome. Otherwise, if you have an app on your phone, 
We're going to read 24 through 29. So Matthew 7, 24 through 29. And once again, the purpose of today, before we get into some of these individualized topics, really is to just kind of lay the foundation as far as what we're talking about over the course of six weeks. And so Matthew 7, starting in verse 24, it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it did not collapse, because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded against that house, and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, because he was teaching them like one who has authority and not like the scribes. And so the interesting thing that you'll notice is it doesn't really matter what type of person you are because the storms come. What really matters is where you build your foundation. So it wasn't like, oh, this guy built a solid foundation, therefore he, he, he had a perfect life. Like, no, no, no. Both parties had storms. Both parties had to uh, get through bad weather, so to speak. And so the reality is, and the importance of this passage is where your foundation is matters. And I remember my wife and I, this was before we had a bunch of kids, so I think it was maybe 10-ish years ago or so when the, the tornado blew through AP and then New Hartford. We were actually up at Clear Lake fishing with some of our friends, and it was awesome. We look off, and there's like this terrible storm, it looks like, and um, there was a small tornado up there. But anyways, we came home early because of a storm up there, and I remember driving back with him through that area and just being completely blown away because trees did not look like trees, and there were no houses, and you couldn't discern what was a road and what wasn't. Yet it was really interesting and and eerie almost because the thing that was still there after that EF5 tornado just blew through there was the foundations. And I don't know if any of you guys like to be out in the country or anything, but part of me likes to drive around or just walk around. And it's like, you'll notice like complete barren landscape. Yet if you look closely enough, there's like old farmhouse foundations that have been there for 100 plus years. You know, so ultimately what matters is where you have your foundation. And if you want to have a healthy marriage, the foundation must be a commitment to knowing and obeying Jesus Christ. And that's why we're focusing this study on God's word, because we want to ground it in that. And so I don't know, I mean, a good way to say this other than without Christ, I mean, I like my wife and she likes me and I think we get along pretty well, but with, without a focus on Jesus, I'm sure we would have been like the heck with you multiple times. Right? And so I don't know that might, that might have been a little too strong. <laughs> but I don't know how, yeah, not strong enough. I don't know how marriages survive without a focus in relationship with Christ. And I think we see that in our culture today because most marriages don't survive. You know, so the importance of that is huge. Um, how many of you guys were in first service this morning? Show of hands, a handful of you. So just like Jake said, I remember him saying, like, between here and Pluto, like, our life represents just a sliver of that distance. And Christ is the only thing that is going to last forever. And so a commitment to him, first and foremost, is really the firm foundation that you can build your marriage upon. And so you got a couple blanks there. For those of you who are uh, keeping notes, you want to give it to the, the better handwriter, that'd be great. But it says, biblical living will... <laughs> yeah, I see some people pass that around. Very nice. <laughs> biblical living will exclude certain relationships because God has a specific design for marriage. And so one man plus one woman equals or arrow forever. Then the next section, the most pervasive form of idolatry in our culture is a man and a woman desiring a relationship with another over a relationship with God. So putting anyone or anything in front of your walk in a relationship with God is not a good thing. Good? I thought you were going to let him guess that last one. Ah, you guys can I guess the next that. one. I, I don't have any more bags of candy, though, so yeah. there's not going to okay. be a reward. But. We're going to jump into some table talk over some other scriptures. So if you don't mind opening up to John 4, that's where we're going to head next. We'll talk about the woman at the well. Okay, so at your table, uh, just... 
nominate somebody as a good, loud, slow reader. You're going to read through, I don't know if yours is funky like mine, it's John 4, 1 through John 4, 18. So in other words, John 4, 1 through 18. Um, and there's three questions. I'm going to have you guys just kind of take some time at your table, go through all three questions, and we'll bring it back together and just kind of shoot out some answers as a group. So start by grabbing somebody to read John 4, 1 through 18. All right, go for it, guys. <laughs> All right, guys, so as you're finishing up the reading, just grab someone, just throw out that first question. The first one is, what did this woman think would satisfy her thirsty soul? So just grab it, take a few minutes, kind of talk about that one, move through those three, and about maybe three minutes we'll come back together. All right, you guys have had some great discussion. I can tell at your tables. Just throw out a couple of the answers, like from that first one. What did the woman think would satisfy her soul? What did you guys talk about at your tables? Maybe from that table back there. Do you guys have anything from that? What did she think would satisfy her soul? More relationships. More relationships. She gets several husbands, and she's with someone who's not even her husband. Do you have anything to add to that? More relationships. So go ahead. Someone going to say something? Uh, we were talking about how, like, underneath that was like a desire to be known or like yeah. fully loved. That's awesome. Yep, so there's even something underneath that that's true. How was Jesus trained to correct her thinking? I think I kind of hung up on this one last night. We were talking about it. So, how was Jesus trained to correct her thinking? I think in like 13 and 14, he was just saying that the only like water that you'll never get thirsty again from is like his eternal living water. That would actually satisfy her with that living water. Anything to add to that, guys? Um, kind of alludes to false idols. Um, following false idols is not going to quite do it. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite parts is when she looks at him and she's like, Sir, you don't even have a bucket. <laughs> Where are you going to get this living water? Good. Okay, I love the last question. So, like, why are we bringing this chunk of scripture to a marriage class? Like, how can this apply to this situation? What do you get from this? Um, talked about, like, false idols, how she was, how we were talking about how we can idol one another over God and how uh, Samaritan woman was idling uh, other men over God. So we can kind of bring in the false idols Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's got, I mean, like, she just has the living water. And, you know, yeah. it's, you know, I can't be upset if I don't fulfill that. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's like the other view of, like, you know, because a lot of times it's the gal, and I have fallen into this many times, and just encouraging engaged people. Like, especially the woman, I think, expects the man to just fill up that little hole that's inside of her. I've several times expected that to make me happy or satisfy some longing that I have. And it's just, it's always disappointing. And it's not fair to him, like, you know. So that's interesting to see your side of it as in, like, you're trying to do that, but that's not even your job. But it's an interesting kind of mix because God does give you a husband who loves you, and that's a good thing. You know, those are, you know, you have good gifts that come from that, but... Um, I remember doing that when we were engaged, like kind of expecting them to, him to fill those holes. And that, I just want to encourage people, it doesn't change when you get married. You know, it's just something that you have to let God work on, on your heart. So, yeah. But I think that was a good example, good, good scripture to kind of yeah. remind us of that. So, all right, babe. Marriage mission statement. That's all in there. Yeah. So you got a, you got a blank says marriage. I, I mean, for you to write that down right now, it might be a little bit presumptuous. Yeah. And, and if you can, great. But my encouragement to you would be after today, or maybe even after like the six weeks of this class, revisit that. And what would we want our marriage to be about? 
So if you want to write something down, take some notes, bullet points, awesome. But my encouragement would be for sure after today, if not after the six-week class. As a married couple currently or as a soon-to-be married couple or whatever stage of a relationship you're in, like this is what we want to be about. Cool? So leave that blank or not officially filled in right now and, and come back to that. I'm going to have you guys flip your page. And for those of you who are in service this morning, this will kind of dovetail a little bit what Jake was talking about. But I'm going to, many of you have seen this. You've probably drawn this quite a few times. There's different variations of it, but it's, it's the bridge diagram. And so for those of you who have ever seen this or ever drawn this, uh, this will be review, if anything, but maybe you've never seen this before. So uh, Romans 6.23, can somebody read that to me on the top of your page? Pretty, pretty short, pretty simple. Yeah, so for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And so here's kind of what the bridge diagram says. is On one hand, you have man or woman, maybe smiling, maybe not. And on the other hand, you have God. And the reality is, is God is perfect and holy and just and all-knowing and all-powerful and can't be in the presence of sin. And man, on the other hand... As awesome as you might think your significant other is, there are probably times you're like, he's a sinner or she's a sinner, right? And the best person who's ever walked the face of this earth, you can put Mother Teresa over here if you want. You could put like Hitler over on the other side maybe. But regardless of of where you're putting people, we all fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. Okay, so even the most just person has wronged God and stands in eternal judgment of a perfect, all-knowing Father. Now, the cool thing about that Romans 6.23 is that the wage or the, the penalty or what should be paid for the fact that we are sinners is death. And that death leads to judgment, and that judgment should lead to separation from a perfect and holy God. But there's a comma and a but in that verse, which is pretty powerful. But... The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And so the awesome thing, and once again, this dovetails with this morning, just the good news of Jesus Christ is the fact that he, in fact, did come down. He lived the perfect life that we could not live. So he bridged that gap, and he died in our place. He paid the penalty for us that if we put our hope and our faith and our confidence in him, uh, we have everlasting life. And so Romans 10.9 Um, If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. So it's not because you're awesome. It's not because you try super hard. It's not because I'm a way better guy today than I was six months ago. It's simply by faith alone, by putting my faith and my trust in the work of Jesus Christ in my place that we now have access to God the Father, which is a pretty powerful thing. And so, once again, if that is not the foundation of not only your life, but of your marriage, you're going to run into issues. So we want to keep laying this foundation. We want to keep making a big deal out of this reality because at the end of the day, it's the only thing that lasts, and it is vital to your relationship that this be the center. So you have a couple fill-in-the-blanks. How can we keep God's priorities in our lives and relationships and reverse the world's order? How do we build a God-centered relationship? First and foremost, we must receive God's gift of eternal life. So once again, this isn't something that we try really hard. We wake up earlier. We do all these things. We're nice to the little lady walking across the street. We like check all these things off of our, and here I am, God. Like, no, like we in our best state are not worthy of being in the presence of a holy God, yet through Christ's sacrifice, we are. So you must receive God's gift of eternal life through faith in the work of Jesus. The next one is stop compromise. Like trust God's design. Believe it or not, the book of the Bible is full of ways to live your life and what to do, what not to do, but ultimately it is a book about God's redemptive work through Jesus Christ. So every single thing in here points to God's redeeming work, points to a Savior. Last but not least, pray together and read the Word together. Men, take the lead. And I think one of the best things, whether you're newly married or been married for a while, anywhere in between, or even engaged, 
is fellowship with other believers, so connection groups, and serve together. A lot of people, I think, get married, and I found this to be true. It seems like the first year is either awesome for newly married couples. Like, that was incredible. Like, that's kind of how, at least, maybe, yeah? Yeah, okay, great. (laughs) I thought it was awesome. I thought it was awesome. Um, But then some were like, "That that was terrible. It was the hardest year of our life. And no matter what your situation is, at some point in marriage, you're going to come to like, are, are we the only ones struggling with this? And, and are we the only ones facing this? And what about, what? and to be in biblical community where you know other people and they're encouraging you, they're praying for you, they're holding you accountable, it is a key thing. And so you don't have to do marriage life or even engaged life alone. My encouragement, that last thing, is really fellowship with other believers, get in a small group, get in a connection group, and do life with others. I have a story that I think we didn't talk about this one. I might know too much information, but it makes me think of this because there's so many engaged couples in here. But um, Matt and I got, we dated for seven years. Um, we met in high school and dated through college and dated for seven years until we got married. So finally get married New Year's Eve 2005, and it's our wedding night, and no, everybody else is gone. We're, you know, we waited. We're in our hotel room, and Matt looks at me. He's like, all right, I think we'll pray now. And I'm like, well, this is kind of weird, you know? And it was just like an awkward second, but it was great. And after that, it just set a precedence for our marriage. So I just, I, I think I bring that up in, in a way because it's like, it'll be awkward. Like if you haven't prayed together, if you haven't started reading God's word together, like the first couple times you do that, it might be a little weird. And like, you look at each other, like, I don't know what I'm supposed to say or what do we do now? But grab somebody, ask them how they do it. Like, what does this look like in your marriage? Like there's lots of married people in here. So I just want to encourage you. Like sometimes those things, you look at those and they seem easy, but it's like if you haven't done that before, that's a little weird and awkward. So, or encourage you engage men, you know, on your wedding night, step it up. So, there we go. Our, our, our wedding night was not that awkward. Little, I mean, it just yeah. It was no, awkward. Just there was a lot of awkward. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, go ahead. What? Yes. We do. Yes. <laughs> Welcome back for week six with the oh, sex talk. No, no just kidding. No, yeah. All right, okay. go ahead, go ahead. All right, so at your tables, we're going to do, we're going to dive into something kind of fun. Um, it's, it, it, I think it's in your uh, notes. It's from Genesis 1, you're going to read three, three verses, 26 through 28, and as you read those at your table, think as you hear those, what truths do we see about God's purposes in marriage from that passage? And there's several things that might come up in those three verses. Go right into the second question, Genesis 2, 18 through 25. What need did God intend to meet by creating the woman? So we all know that God created Adam, and out of Adam he created Eve. So read through those verses and answer those first two questions at your table, and then we're going to love to hear what you guys have to say after that. Alrighty, let's throw out some answers for the first one, guys. The Genesis 1, 26 through 28. What truths do we see about God's purposes in marriage? There's a couple different things that you can kind of see in there. So what would you say from those those verses? That was a good one, yep. So God desires us to be fruitful and to increase in number. Good. Yeah, so he made them in his likeness. I always think it's cool. I have my Bible, the word us circled hour and hour. So right in the beginning, it said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. I didn't know that for a long time. So like the triune God was in the beginning, you know, and he as a family himself created a family. So that's cool. In our own image. That's awesome. Anything else? I pointed out where Yeah, that's awesome. And Matt brought it to me last night. That's pre-fall. So that's a creation thing. You know, that's the way God created it, male and female. Awesome. In his image. Anything else? How about that last one? What need did God intend to meet by creating the woman? So he created Adam and he created Eve. What need did God intend to meet? Have any thoughts on that? Companionship. 
it's not good for man to be alone. Yeah. We kind of, we kind of went back and forth on this one. Can you flush this one out there? Yeah, I mean. The helper. Helper yeah, so, I mean, God says it's not good for man to be alone, so there is that companionship uh, reality. for the work that God had yep. to fill out, to fulfill those purposes. Yeah, but it says, God bless them, God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, uh, rule the fish of the sea. So he, he's like commanding like people to work, but then uh, get the... Yep, so it talks a little bit about that, and then, but no man, but for the man, no helper was found corresponding to him. So the Lord caused a deep sleep. So there is that, that need for companionship. There's also that, like, like need for a helper, and you can tease that a little, little bit yeah, more. We but, talked about that. Yep. Anything else on those first two chunks? So companionship, it was not good for him to be alone. Okay, number three. I didn't ask you to talk about this one yet, but if you got me, have any thoughts, why do you think, and we talked about this wasn't necessarily obvious in Scripture, but this is kind of fun to think about. Why do you think that God created Eve after Adam, and how did that affect Adam? So God creates Adam, kind of commands some work of him, sees lots of animals coming in front of him, then creates Eve. So how, why, do I think, why do we think God created Eve after Adam, and how did that affect him? Never thought of this before. So. Well, the second question, his response was, "At last, like." Yeah. That's awesome. At last, so he, it created a desire in him to have a companion that maybe wouldn't have necessarily been obvious if they would have always been together. It's an interesting thought that he had. So at last, that's great. That's great. Anything else? Any that's what I said when I, when I met you, Emily. Yeah, at last. At last. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Anything else that you have a thoughts on that? I just made a note that it probably created gratitude in him once she was there. Like he was probably grateful for her. That's a cool thought. Okay, man was incomplete until God created woman. The Hebrew word for helpmate, um, if you want to write this down, literally means a power corresponding to God calls Eve to be a helpmate, which is an interesting English word, but the Greek literal meaning, the Hebrew literal meaning is a power corresponding to. And I think it's next week that you guys will start talking about roles and some really practical things along those lines. Is that next week? Yep. Um, so you'll flesh that out a little bit more. It'll be a fun week. All right, babes, is you? Yeah. Okay. So uh, I want to get give you guys some time. Uh, this is a, a probably one of the more famous New Testament passages on marriage. So I want you to read at your tables, Ephesians 5, 20 through, through, 20 through, or, sorry, through 33. We're going to dive into this in some detail. Um, but try, if you can, to fill in those four blanks right underneath question number one. And then also, as a table, I would love for you guys to come up with answers to two, three, four, and then five. I'm going to give you quite a bit of time to dive through this passage, Ephesians 5, 22 through 33, and then look at those five questions as a table. All right, so let's dive into these questions. So Ephesians 5, you're going to be taking a look at this passage, I think, throughout this material. And so it's not just going to be today that we hit this. I think even next week we're going to dive in a little bit more. Uh, but that first question, between whom is God drawing a parallel here? Anyone want to take a guess at that? Those first fill in the blanks? Yep, so Christ in the church and husband and the wife. Yep, you bet. Very good. Everyone get that? Yeah? Nice. Well, it wasn't too bad. Then if everyone got it, why was anyone sharing? It's like, no, just kidding. All right. Yeah, I scared. You're wrong. No. Uh, what is God calling the wife to do, and how should the parallel between her and the church give direction to this calling? This one's a little bit 
more in depth than just a couple fill in the blanks. Aaron, you guys come up with something there? Yeah, um, we talked about um, just what it looks like for uh, the wives to submit to their husbands. Yeah. More of how it's like um, humble submission mm -hmm. and vocal submission. Yep. Is what we see in those passages. Yeah, cool. Cool. Anyone else want to comment on that at all? Maybe some of you have been married for 20 years or so? Matt? <laughs> <laughs> We're still figuring it out. You're still figuring it out. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Did you guys know that, like, early in your marriage? Like, that, that was, we didn't realize what this pastor was talking about for a long time in our marriage. Well, we both grew up in homes with Christian parents, yeah. but I wasn't a believer until you know, 2006. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, and since then it's been up and down, up and down as far as growth goes, but it, it hasn't really even been that long since I've been spiritually yeah. growing. I think, I think there was, this took on a lot of What did yeah. you say, Clint? And, uh, this, this verse, I mean, I know Michelle really struggled. Okay. Yeah. So, and it, it was the same thing with Paul. He was like, he was like, God needs you to struggle through this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 What part of it? Just the, just the, the yeah. No, that's good. And I don't want to give away too much, but next week you're going to spend quite a bit of time in this and do exactly what, what you were talking about as far as I'm looking at what culture says versus what, what Scripture says and what that practically looks like. Uh, what is God calling the husband to do? How should the parallel between him and Christ give direction to this calling? And Matt, you even said, like, you used to use this passage maybe as a club, but this is anything but a club. I mean, it's, it's saying, does anyone want to answer that question? Yeah. And also serve his wife. Yeah. Lead, love, serve. I mean, it's like you, you look at sacrifice. Yeah, so you look at what Christ did for the church. It's like, that's a pretty lofty thing for a husband to do. And there, there have been times, I think, hopefully, in 13 years where I've modeled that well. But there's also been times where it's like, oh, my gosh, I was so selfish. Or I thought of myself. And one just popped up in my head uh, just right now, actually. Um, we've, we've had a few kids. And so I remember when we had our first one. And this wasn't always true. Like, th this was not true. So I was sleeping most of the time, okay? But there were times where I would hear baby number one or baby number two crying in bed. And instead of selflessly getting up to help so my wife could sleep because she was up all the time, I just pretended to sleep more. You know? It's like, I mean, how? And then I, then, then I might get a, like, swift kick to the shin while we're laying. And then, you know? And so, we both do it. Yeah, yes, like, yes. If I don't move. But there's been times where it's like, yeah, I, I really do think I, I put her needs first and I model that well. Then there's also probably equally as much where I was selfish and looked at myself. So, yeah, this is a very challenging passage. I, obviously, I'm, I'm a guy. So this challenges me as a, as a husband a ton. And I'm sure you'll talk about it next week, but yeah. like, God calls you to do the thing that you're not naturally going to do. Like, I love naturally. You know, you, but you need me to honor you. Yeah. You know, you yeah. kind of, it's yeah. not naturally for you to love in, a, in that kind of way. So. Yeah. Cool. Good commands. Yeah, so 
based on this passage, what is God's ultimate purpose for your marriage? And this kind of goes down to that fill in the blank in a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, really the, the kind of blank there and just the, the quick way to say this, God's ultimate purpose and design for marriage is to image forth in the blank Christ and the church. And we'll, we'll come back to uh, question five here in a second, but I just want to elaborate on this a little bit. So what it's really saying there is your marriage is supposed to reflect a greater reality. Like your marriage is supposed to reflect the relationship between Christ and the church. And uh, just a quick story. Um, Trying to think of how much context you have here. So when I was little, like I'm talking like kindergarten, first, second grade, there were three things that I wanted to be. I wanted to be an astronaut. That fell through. I wanted to be an uh, archaeologist and dig up dinosaur bones. And then I also wanted to be a professional athlete. So anyways, I remember being in Colorado as a second grader, and I was fishing like in this crystal clear reservoir. We went well, well before light. We got there right at first light. And just beautiful, trying to catch salmon and trout. And I remember being in this boat as a little kid. And I swear to you, there was this, like, rock formation that looked like a brontosaurus. I was like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> um, the really cool thing, though, was I took a picture. Like, I had disposable cameras. You guys old enough to know what those are? You, like, basically get a camera in a, like, cardboard box. And then you take the cardboard box and get it developed. So anyways, I took, like, millions of pictures of this dinosaur in the rocks. And I got it developed, and I got the picture back. And the quality probably wasn't the best. But I remember looking at it. And the water was so still and so quiet that you honestly couldn't tell which was right side up because the image in the water was perfectly reflecting the real image. Like, that's what a gospel-centered marriage should be. It should, in a very real way, reflect the gospel to those around you. And so when your neighbor and your coworker and your family and whoever else sees you interacting like Ephesians 5 calls us to, to love and to serve and to respect and to submit, there's, there's something that should reflect the reality of Christ in the church. And so ultimately, the purpose of marriage really is to reflect or display the gospel to those around you. And so when Paul kind of like intermingles those two things, he's talking about, he's talking about men and women in marriage, or he's talking about Christ in the church, well, he's actually talking about both. So that's a pretty cool thing when you think about it. Like you have the opportunity as a married couple or as a soon-to-be married couple to reflect the gospel to those around you and to follow God's word and do what Ephesians 5 says as a husband, as a wife, to put the gospel on display and say, here, here it is, which I think is a pretty cool and humbling task for couples. Anybody have any questions there? Awesome. Um, I clearly don't dig up dinosaur bones anymore, but it would be kind of fun to do something like that. So. You'd be a cool dad. I would, yeah. <laughs> Look at this, kids. <laughs> yep. Awesome. Uh, let's go back to question number five. Like, do you guys have any questions that, that you have as far as God's design or God's purpose for marriage? Were you guys able to come up with anything as a group or as a, as a couple? Oh, you don't. Ah, oh, man. Nice. Okay, so you don't have a question number five. Hypothetically, if you did, it might say something like, What are one or two questions you guys have, either about this passage or about God's design for marriage or about the purpose of marriage? Say that one more time, Nick. Do you have any questions about anything we talked about today? <laughs> that in with like or is there something that we've talked about that you're like wow I never really thought about it that way yeah is that the same or maybe yep. bring up some more discussion yeah you bet. Do we have time? not a lot yeah do you guys have any questions or thoughts or comments I liked what you said about how God calls us to do what is natural for mm-hmm. us to do yeah and how it truly is mm-hmm. a sacrifice and mm-hmm. he's always wanting yeah. to redefine us yeah yeah. Because as a woman it is, you know, we want to take the lead, we want mm-hmm. we want to be in control and so mm-hmm. yeah. I thought that was really yeah. a good thought. Yeah. Awesome. One of the biggest mind and I'm sure you'll talk about this or we're probably giving away too much, but 
when Paul, I'm sure it was Paul, Pastor Paul talked about how Christ submits to his father. He even used Jesus as an example of like being in that situation, yeah. you know, and how it's not a, um, you're equal in worth. Like you're mm. both so valuable to the relationship and mm. it's just an order that needs to be there, you know, yeah. to make your marriage work. Yeah. So that'll be a fun discussion yeah. for you guys. Cool. Anything else? Eve being made after Adam was something I'd never really thought about. That was that's fun, like thinking about that moment. He just wanted it. What was it? At last. At last! <laughs> Finally. That's yep. cool. Nice. Cool. Well, do, you, do you want to recap John 4? Yeah, so I messed up and I forgot to tell you the rest of the story. Um, for the See? woman at the well, I'm, I'm going to read that real quick. You can open if you want. It's John 4. Um, so the woman at the well, Jesus, made has an encounter with her. Um, and I'm supposed to finish that up with how it ended, in which it's really kind of fun. So I'm going to do that real quick. Um, where am I at? Oh, there we go. I'm going to read 4, 27 through 30, and then jump ahead a little bit. So this is after Jesus' encounter with the woman at the well. Um, just then his disciples arrived and they were amazed that he was talking with a woman yet no one said what do you want or why are you talking with her then the woman left her water jar went into town and told the men come see a man who told me everything I ever did could this be the Messiah they left the town and made their way to him I'm going to jump to 39 there's a chunk after 39 I'm going to read now many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman said when she testified. He told me everything I ever did. Therefore, when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of what he said. And they told the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said. For we have heard for ourselves and know that this really is the Savior of the world. So, there's the complete story. Pretty sweet. Yeah. So, uh, this gal, even though she was a Samaritan, knew of a potential coming Messiah. And then Jesus basically says, that's, that's me. So, they, they have this encounter at the well where Jesus talks to her in a way that she's like, holy cow, how, how did he know this about me? And then she's, she mentions the coming Messiah. She's like, yeah, that, that's actually me. So, this isn't in the text necessarily, but she has that happen. And then she goes and tells a bunch of people about it. And then because she tells a bunch of people about it, it says that people believe. And so because of an encounter, people go from death to life. And I just think a bunch of things about that is really cool. Uh, but first and foremost, just kind of goes back to what we're talking about. Like failure to do that, failure to put your faith in Jesus Christ for the salvation of your sins. Like Jake said this morning, if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it online once it posts in a day or so. Like, that is mission critical. That's priority number one. But then bringing that reality and bringing the gospel and bringing passages like Ephesians 5 into your marriage are key. So we're going to talk about conflict. We're going to talk about sex. We're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about communication. We could even take this another 10 weeks. Talk about what does it look like to raise kids? I mean, all these things, which are great, and you should have a Christ-centered and a biblical foundation on how to conflict and how to communicate and how to handle money and all that stuff is great. But without this, without making Jesus Christ not only the foundation of your life, but also the foundation of your marriage, like that other stuff, good luck. And so I just love this woman's reaction. She hears it, something has to click in her head, which is like, oh my gosh, yes, this is the Messiah. And she goes and tells people about it. And then because she tells people about it, people are saved. And the interesting thing is this is a prostitute. Or not a prostitute, but this is, a, this is an adulterer. Yeah. You know, and just the way that God interacts with her and then the way that, that, that Jesus uses her to take his message forward I think is really cool. So. I actually encourage you guys in the next several weeks to just like dive into this. You know, you're committing to it. It's so worth it. Your marriage is so worth it. And I know some people just got books today, but did, did people read the first chapter? Mm-hmm. Really great. I mean, not, I mean, how much have I read? Like a third of it. Matt gave me the book a couple of days ago, and 
and it's long, so she can, you know, it's tough, it's long, but it's, it's fun, so. And I encourage you guys to maybe mix it up a little bit next week, sit with someone who's been married or not married, and so it'll be fun to learn from each other. Cool. Yeah, so we do start getting more practical in the weeks to come, and I think, I don't know if I, like, just more, more fun, like, the, the stories you can tell about conflict and communicate, I mean, just, like, it, it's just fun. And so you're going to be able to see into the life. So I think a little bit more than maybe today of just the, the teachers because, I mean, we could share stories upon stories yeah. about. And I'm sure lots of people yeah. that and, in the class. Right, yeah. And you guys all have stories too. But uh, what a great week just to kind of take a step back and look at God's design for marriage. It is meant to reflect Christ in the church. And so when you say I do or if you're already married, like that's, <laughs> that's the burden and privilege that we carry as husband and wife. But then also, without Christ as your foundation, I mean, you're kind of in a tough spot. And so for those of you who have accepted Christ, awesome. For those of you who have not, or maybe you heard this morning, and like Jake was saying, the gospel, it finally made sense, it clicked. Like, we would love to talk to you more about that. And so I want to pray for us. Um, and then if you guys want to stick around and hang out, that's awesome. Otherwise, see you next week. Jake and Sarah will be going over... Uh, session two, and I think it's, is it chapter six you guys got to read? Yes. Perfect. Read chapter six. Now, God, I do once again thank you for an opportunity to open your word as couples, um, as either engaged couples or, or married couples, Lord. I thank you that we have people in here who are uh, just, marriage is right around the corner, and you are going to uh, do work in their lives to continue to draw them closer to you, but hopefully uh, to each other as well through you. And God, I do thank you for the people in here who are married. Uh, marriage is sometimes awesome, sometimes really hard. And God, I pray that every single one of us in here can commit to making you the center of that, that we can look, husbands, at our wives uh, with love and sacrifice and service, and wives, you can look at your husbands um, with respect and with submission, and that the way we do life, the way we interact, the way we carry ourselves, how we speak to each other, what we say, what we do, how we treat those around us, will clearly not only as an action point people to you, but then we will have an opportunity through conversation with those who we interact with to share your gospel with those around us and that our relationships truly could reflect you and your church that is so beautiful. In your name we pray. Amen.